0: Welcome to Business Masters, the podcast that gives you direct access to world-leading experts on key business issues. To be the first to know about future shows and to access even more exclusive content, visit businessblueprint.com and subscribe today. Hello, it's Dale Beaumont here, founder of Business Blueprint, and welcome to another Business Masters podcast. Today, I'm talking with award-winning entrepreneur, Andrew Smith. Andrew's the founder of Dr. Drip, which is a multi-million dollar plumbing business, and more recently, has established another business called Lifestyle Trading. Our topic for this podcast is how to run a business in just two hours per week. Andrew,
1: thanks for joining us. Thanks, mate. Great to be here. All
0: right. So when you say you work two hours a week,
1: just describe to us, how exactly does that work? Well, we obviously have a business called Dr. Drip Plumbing, and we're a leading maintenance business in Sydney. And the way that I've got it set up these days is that on a Monday morning, I head in at 6.30 in the morning, and I meet all the tradies. We have bacon and eggs for breakfast. We um, sit down and then have a meeting. And then we also have a meeting with the leading hand and the manager. So I, I put two hours in that Monday morning. I go down, make sure everything's running smoothly. And then after
0: those two hours, then you don't go back in the office for the rest of the week? Is that right?
1: No, I don't need to go back in the office for the rest of the week because the guys, we've got all KPIs. We know exactly what each tradesman is making at the end of every job. And I also get an email at the, every, at the end of every day to explain to me exactly what happened in the day. And then first thing in the morning, I get an email to explain to me how much each tradesman made at the end of the day. So unless there's some alarm bells there or there's something I'm not happy with, I'll call the manager. Otherwise, I just get them to keep running as per normal.
0: Now, I'm guessing you didn't start your business that way. So what was it like at the beginning? And then we can talk about how did you go from, you know, where you, where you were to where you are now?
1: No, it certainly wasn't like that. It was a bit of a nightmare, actually. And I think we've we've been there. A lot of business owners have been there. But, you know, really, I had this, the phone stuck to my head 24-7, seven days a week and doing ridiculous hours. It was It was really tough. I I couldn't see the end of it, and I was really worried about where the future was at that stage.
0: So what kind of clicked inside your head when you basically said, well, what what was it? Because many people would just continue to do that for the next 20 or 30 years, and uh, there'll be no relief in sight. But clearly, you made a change. What was that turning point for you?
1: I'd have to say my gorgeous wife, actually. We just had the new um, birth of our daughter, and I think in business, you do need someone from the outside to be looking in sometimes and i was working so hard and everything was about work and when our daughter um came i just wasn't spending any quality time with her i wasn't spending any quality time with my wife and i just realized that you know i mean i was a bit bogged down but really it took my wife to pull me aside and have a quick chat and say listen where are we going with this business you're busting your ass we weren't really making that much money and you will work seven days a week and not spend any time with the family. What is life all about? That so was really Angela that made the turning point for me.
0: Mm. So once that decision was made, what was the couple of the earlier steps that you took? Because I'm guessing it's all about building you know, momentum and taking those first steps. So what did you do at the very beginning after you made the decision?
1: Well, after the, the first Angela, I was a bit gobsmacked when Angela first hit me with that. I was like, geez, wow, I, I didn't realize it was that bad, you know, and, and it made me really sit down and think, well, what do I want out of business and what do I want out of life? And Angela and I actually sat down and talked about what we both wanted. So once we both have had a vision and looked at where our life was going, we both, I, I sat down and said, well, how am I going to change this? And in business, you know, we all believe we run systems in our business, but all my systems were dead set in my head, and, and um, it was really hard for my staff to track. And at this stage, we'd grown to a big team, a team of 17, and trying to look after all those tradies and and you know and make sure they were doing the right thing was just getting too hard.
0: So you went from working 50, 60, 70 hours a week to working then two hours per week. What time frame was that over to basically remove yourself from the day-to-day and to now basically you know have a business that runs without you?
1: Well, there's no doubt about it, it is a lot of hard work and it certainly doesn't happen overnight, you know. So we saw a dramatic change within an 18-month period. I went back into the office, I looked at all my staff after I had my new plan and I realised we're very top-heavy and we had too much staff. And I couldn't control the number of people I had for the systems I had in place. So I had to do the next best thing, and that was to cull staff. So I quickly culled staff. And I think in business, you need to move quickly. I cut five within the next couple of weeks and just started a smaller team. We, we started putting systems in place. I went to each, and, um, each worker um, of my team, and I said to them, the office staff, that is, and I said to them, listen, we need better systems here. I need you to write them and I'm going to oversee them. And they realized it was crunch time and um, they realized that this is what's going to keep them in a job long term as well.
0: Mm. So how did you really, um, you know, empower the staff to, to take responsibility? Um, you know, because it, having a right team is critical for, for, you know, to remove a business owner, but you've got to have the buy-in from the guys.
1: You do. And I think, you know, some people say it's, you know, you know, I could say I was lucky, but it's certainly not lucky. I think it's, You know, I've always been one of those bosses that's got on very well with people. I'm a very good communicator. I'm very good at understanding what they're going through in their personal life as well. And just generally, I've been lucky that my team love working for us at Dr. Drip. So we we don't always pay the most, but we we give the most back. And I think we we had a bit of that, that team environment. And the people that weren't buying into that team environment, we moved on really quickly. So I really sat down with everyone individually and just explained them my vision, my focus, what we're done. We'd grown the business extremely quickly, so we were very successful and had been seen on the market as being successful. So I think people like being a part of that culture as well. And they just knew that we need to tidy things up. And I just painted the vision for them of how it was going to be easier for everyone moving forward and mm. it certainly has been.
0: And how did the, the, the core team uh, cope when, when some of those uh, people lost their jobs? Did it send shockwaves through the through the company? Um, did it did it create have a, a negative effect or did it actually have a positive effect?
1: It's really interesting that you know a lot of people worry about getting rid of staff that is going to have a negative effect, it, it had a positive. Um, effect for me because once I started moving on who I thought were the weakest link staff started coming to me and saying telling me stories that they'd never um, mentioned before Mm. so I realized that at that stage it was a great time to get rid of the weakest links and um and it gave them more power that they they felt more comfortable now that they are working as a team together and not having these guys on the on the back end doing the wrong thing so you know I had to talk to I I mean I, I quickly decided who my um not, I wouldn't say the founding people of my business, but the people that I wanted to be there long term, like my leading hand and my office manager, pulled them aside and told them exactly what I wanted to do, painted the picture. We had a chat about all the staff and we let go of the staff that we knew had to go. Um, The interesting thing in that, you know, you can't just sack all your staff in one hit. You really can't. And um, when you're turning your business around as dramatically as what we are, there's a lot of people that don't want to follow you either because there's just too much change for them. So when you're going from a a local tradie just that wants to be on the tools, do no paperwork, don't really have much to do with the overall business side of things, to try and get them to follow systems is impossible, really. Mm. We tried and we tried and then we realised we had to get rid of them. So we actually just gradually targeted different guys and moved them on.
0: Right now, when it comes to, to systems, um, there are some staff that kind of you know embrace it and they see it as a bit of uh, fun and a, a bit of a challenge. There's a lot of uh, staff that sometimes resist. Um, and when I talk to business owners, they say, "Oh, look, my staff just don't want to create systems. They just don't understand the importance. They just think that that's all this it's unnecessary because they think that they're going to be in the job forever."
1: And I and I think you hit it on the head there. You said they don't understand the importance. Yeah. So as business owners, we need to make them understand how important it is. Yeah. And how I did think you did that. I just really sat down with them and just explained, look at our business, look how successful we've been, but look at where we're losing money, look at where things are falling down, look at constantly where our tradies aren't doing the same thing over and over again. And I realised in business, the mistake that I made was, I think you've got to keep it simple, Sam, And, and that's why a lot of these franchises, let's just mention like a McDonald's, are so successful because... The staff know exactly what needs to be done and it's a simple process and everyone does it. As soon as one rogue person doesn't follow the systems and you don't reprimand them or fix it, then that's just open slather for everyone else to take court, cut corners as well. But mm. as soon as someone cut a corner, I'd pull them in the office, I'd sit down, I'd have it down in writing, I'd explain to them systems and procedures, I'd have a chat with them and say, listen, are you really love being here at Dr. Drip. And I'd get their answer, and always, most of the time, it was like, Yeah, I really love it here. And I say, Well, listen, there's a few things you're doing that I'm just not really that happy with. So, what, you know, and I'll go through the system. I go, Do you understand all of that? And I'll tick them as they did. And I say, Well, at the end, I go, Well, listen, there's a choice here. You either follow our systems and be a part of this team, which I'd love you to be a part of this team, but if you really can't follow these systems, maybe it's time you start looking somewhere else. And that really gave them the opportunity to either stay or to either go. And I was at that stage in business where, you know, we'd grown so rapidly and we're turning over a lot of money, but just we knew I knew I had to get the right team. Mm. It doesn't happen overnight, but I tell you what, guys, I hear stuck people and, and business owners all the time saying it's hard to get the right team but you've just got to keep pushing forward. And once you get them, you've built that culture. Every new person comes in, either jumps on that culture or they're out the door. Mm. All
0: right. Let's move from talking about staff to talking about customers. When you know I talk to people about uh, removing themselves from the business, they say, but my customers just love dealing with me and they won't deal with anybody else. Did, did that go through your head as well? Uh, and how did you deal with it? How did you overcome it?
1: Yeah, it was a it was a big thing because being a one man show, starting a plumbing business at the start, it was all about myself and and your name was <clears throat> even my name my plumbing my business at the start was Andrew Smith Plumbing. So you know people really expected for me to be coming out on the job. I obviously answered the phone. They expected for me to turn up at the job. Um, you know I've got a uncanny knack of of being able to communicate with people really well. So when I do that on the phone, you know, they expect the same when they go out there. So what I what I really needed for my staff is to be able to communicate like I do. Um, but it, it's very hard because I realised there was going to be a drop-off, and there was, and I realised there was going to be a percentage, but I made a list of all my A, B, C and D customers. I looked at the ones that were really important to keep. I'd take my tradie with me. I'd introduce them. I'd make sure they got i um, used to dealing with him and then as soon as I felt comfortable we'd let him start doing the work so we gradually introduced the guys into it. Um, I can't sit here now and say we didn't lose customers over it. Some just wanted me. I tried to explain to them that I can't be everywhere. Some customers just don't care. They just want a one man show. Um. As my business grew and grew and grew, sometimes they believe people believe that the business was too big for them. Now they just wanted that local plumber that was just around the corner that would charge nothing and and do a great job.
0: Mm. But obviously, the, the benefits about um, you know going with moving to a new brand name and having other people means that um, you know you can service a lot more people, and then you've got uh, you know more reliability from all of your staff.
1: That's exactly right, and I think that as you know, looking at the business now, it's a better business when I was than when I was a one man show. It's yeah. um I can get there on time, all the team turn that up on time, all the systems in place, the customers have the same what we try and do is have the same experience every time we go. Doesn't matter which guy goes, yeah. it's the same experience, the same process, everything's the same. So the customer doesn't feel that it's something different because everyone hates change out there. So it's worked really well for us. It's the only way to run business. And, you know, if you can get your systems right, it is so powerful and, and great for family life as well.
0: Yeah. And I've even seen some of your systems, and you literally have training videos about how to arrive at a, on, at a particular job and about taking your shoes off before you walk in the front door and about, you know, what to do when you enter someone's home. Um, a lot of people uh, just don't go to that length. Do you think it's important that you, you do so? And, and how do you, is this part of an induction process that when someone works for you or joins your company, do you sit them down? Do you show them your videos? What do you do?
1: Yeah, I think the interesting thing is with systems and and obviously dealing more with tradies as well, that... You know, you can go through a paper based system, but to be able to put it on a video and show them exactly what we expect, the trade is really taking on the videos a lot more than the paperwork, and they really understand that. So, we do do an induction process. It's quite heavy, it's quite intense. We actually get them to do, I suppose we'd call a little mini exam to make sure we get a feeling for where they are. A few of these people are a bit overawed by that at the start, but we just At least then we know we're getting the, the right quality person. Yeah. A lot of tradesmen are just used to rocking up to a job, starting a job, and just away they go. So yeah. it's certainly been a great process for us. And how many
0: days does it normally take to get someone to go through that induction process and to get them up to speed so you can send them out on a job?
1: Well, what we normally do is sit down with them for about three or four hours in the office. We've yep. we've done probably two or three interviews before they've been accepted. Yes. I don't do any of the interview process these days. Um, my leading hand and manager does. But um, they do that process and then they go out with the leading hand in a truck and they start doing some customers. He can see exactly what the leading hand does from the start through to the finish. And as soon as our leading hand... Believes that he which is at be that like point. Your general manager leading
0: hand, or yeah, that's sort of right. Your, yeah, yeah, we'd
1: say that. The, what we have is we have an office manager, which is really like a general manager as well, and we have our tradesmen. And one of those tradesmen is what we'll classify as the leading hand, and he deals with all the issues. So instead of those staff always ringing me for plumbing, they deal with him directly. So he goes through the whole process. I, they both have the power to hire and fire. They both go through the the process at the beginning to get them on board. Uh, Stuart gets him out in the truck, he explains what needs to be done Once Stuart's happy with him, he'll throw him to one of the other boys Then one of the other guys will move him around the team We get a feeling through the team exactly how he's going And then you know we, we say up front, if you don't like it, move on If we don't like it, we'll move you on And we'll move them on very, very quick too So when
0: you started removing yourself from the business and you weren't there, you weren't able to see, you know, people arriving 10 minutes late or, you know, going for an hour lunch or something along those lines. Did you see, did you notice the staff sort of slacking off when you weren't there?
1: No, not really, because we had set up our navman systems with all our trucks, so they're all we know where the guys' trucks are, we know when they leave home. It's all through GPS. It's all yeah. through GPS. So we know exactly. we know when they turn their truck on, we know where they turn their truck off. So we really do watch them. That did cause problems in itself in the very early days, yeah. but the guys love it now because we it's, don't we don't we don't pick on them for it, but yeah. it just makes sure they're on time and, and they don't and the other thing that saves us too is guys hitting us for an extra half an hour's over time when they really didn't need to
0: yeah okay because some people staff may think it's a bit mm. big brother sort of like, and you know do you go to the extent of having cameras in your office and things like that? I'm guessing you can take it a bit too far.
1: You can take a bit too far, I think you've got to um, ultimately you need to be able to trust your staff as soon and I say this to every one of my staff as soon as I lose their trust they're gone. Yeah. because I just don't want anyone in my business that I don't trust because it's just not worth having staff like that. You don't know what they're up to. You're always worried what they're going to do next. Um, we move them on straight away.
0: Okay, so let's just imagine that, you know, you're not in the office and, you know, things are going, going great, but something inevitably is going to go wrong. Yep. Uh, let's just imagine that there was, uh, you know, an item that was stolen or someone's mm. forgotten their key somewhere. Um, there's been a customer that's kind of, um, you know, seriously complaining. Mm. As the business owner, do you, did you feel compelled to just go in and fix it and just, you know, jump in your car and drive back to the office? Or how do you resist the temptation to, to jump in, you know, so what, what do you do in that respect?
1: Yeah, I think um, in the early stages, for sure. You know, when I first had the business running without me, felt a bit inadequate. I I felt a bit lost. I didn't really know what I was going to do with myself at home, with the family and Angie. And and I was Angie like, "What's wrong?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't feel like I'm needed." You know, this business was like my baby. I'd been putting in seven days a week and massive hours, and all of a sudden, I didn't need to be there. That's what I was aiming for. But when it actually came to the crunch, I was like, "Well, what do I do now? Where is my focus?" So that was really tough. But these days, it's totally not like that. You know, I give my staff total power. Now, I 100% agree that not every staff member makes the same decision that I do. My managers don't make the same decision sometimes of what I do. But I've got to give them the chance to make the right decision. There's too many people out there that every time a decision needs to be made, they don't give their manager a chance to even make it. So what I do is, oh, if there's something, a problem, they may give me a call and I'll just ask them, well, what would you do? and then I let them try and deal with it themselves. If I think that it's not being dealt with the right way, then obviously I'll get involved. But ultimately, they get the right answer, they do the right thing, and I don't need to worry. And, as you know, Dale, I'm not around so much anymore. I'm overseas a bit more and doing a bit more traveling. So the fact of the matter is I need to have that confidence in them that they'll do the right thing. Every time Something a challenge like that comes up, we have it in our systems and we build a new system for it if we don't have it. Mm. For example, crashing the trucks, break and enter, all those type of things. I'll come home from holidays. I don't even know any of that has happened until, I, until later on. It might be a week or two weeks later, I go, oh, where's so-and-so truck? And they go, oh, yeah, someone broke into it and stole all the tools. So I don't actually hear all that. So it doesn't – now, as you know, I've got other business ventures I'm doing, so it doesn't cloud me when I need to be concentrating on other things, which is fantastic.
0: Yeah, great. Now, you you meant – this is obviously all – it kind of hinges on having a great a great team, but obviously the great people at the top of that team, which is, your, you mentioned your mm-hmm. leading hand and your office manager, or if in people listening, it could be their general manager or CEO mm-hmm. or someone like that. What happens, God forbid, if they ever leave or go, what would you do then?
1: Well, it's interesting. The actual general manager or office manager, I think is more the title. We have systemized so well, and she has systemized so well that I mean, she even came to me one day and said, what happens, Andrew, if I got hit by a bus and I couldn't come into work? Who is going to run this business? So we we looked at that because we had all these systems, but where were the systems? Where were they sitting? What were they doing? So we obviously discussed how we'd make that better. So these days, if all of a sudden she wasn't in or she left, we could totally deal with it. It wouldn't be ideal, but we could totally deal with it. And exactly the same with the leading hand. Not ideal, but it's not. I wouldn't say it's not a blip on the radar. It is a blip on the radar. But it's not a massive problem you know I would hate to lose them I I look at them like family I treat them like family but at the end of the day if they've got to make a decision that's to not be here then so be it I've just got to deal with it.
0: And what would you do would you jump back into the business for you know a week or a month and kind of find that person get them up to speed and then remove yourself again?
1: Yeah I think um, depending on who it is I think um, in regards to the office manager I'd probably need to jump in and I'd hire a bookkeeper or someone straight away to come in and sit on the systems and I'd just say go through all those systems and I'd help her with that. We still have another girl in the office that knows a lot of stuff as well. So to be honest, I don't think it's that big a deal there. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes thing that my managers do that's not even just Dr. Drip with other businesses as well. So um, with the leading hand, it's the same scope. We could easily just – another guy can step up to the mark. The guys might need to ring me a little bit more on the phone – but it's not a great, and it's not massive. It. We
0: can totally deal with it. And you, you kind of alluded to this before and talked a bit about, you know, when you do remove yourself, there's the kind of initial excitement of, woohoo, I'm, I'm free. Mm-hmm. But then there's, like you said, that feeling of, gee, you know, what do I do now? And kind of having lost your kind of main, yeah. you know, sort of, um, you know, purpose of getting up in the morning and going to work, how did that How did that affect you? And uh, how have you been able to
1: now, you know, deal with that and not kind of, ah, oh, you know, I'm sick of this, I'm going to jump back in? It, it took me a good month, and it's interesting. A lot of successful business owners that I deal with these days that have had the same situation are saying the same thing. You know, you go to having this baby, your whole life is built around this business all of a sudden you're not needed anymore and there's a massive hole in your life. And it, I know it sounds silly because that's what we all aim for. So it took me a good month or two to really get my head around it. I did a lot of writing in my diary, did a lot of planning, did a lot of focus on where I wanted to go next. I had a lot of chats with my wife and and really put a structured game plan in place of where we wanted to go next. What's the next chapter in the Andrew Smith and the Smith family, obviously including my family. What's the next chapter in our life now? Because I realized That you know, I just didn't need to be a part of that. And then, as months went on, years went on, I realised that you know it's been the best decision I could have ever done to um, get out of that business. I'm one of those guys that always wants to keep growing to the next mm. level, and I could never see myself bogged down just with that one business forever.
0: Yeah, and let's talk about some of the rewards just to kind of give people hope that. And you know, I know you've been able to enjoy some great holidays and also time with you know family members, especially you know parents as well. Do you want to talk a bit about that and what what it's meant for you having removed yourself from the business apart from the you know the money and all of that stuff? Yeah, what is what has it done for you personally?
1: Well, I think the big thing is you know the more you, I think for me, the more I grew up, the more I realized family was such a big thing. You know, my my father passed away three years and he had um, cancer and, you know, it was a real draining time for me and the whole family, but I had so much time that I could spend with him. So in his last weeks, months, you know, I took him Harley motorbike riding. We went out in the boat. We, we took him all over the place, took him on holidays, spent some amazing quality time and and although you know he was coming to an end and he was getting a little bit frail you know if I look back I hadn't really spent as much quality time that I had in those two months in the last five six years so I think you know when you do have a business you do have freedom there's a lot of that stuff that you know family is such an important part and to be honest you know if you don't have your family close friends then what do you have and and i you know i know that we all work to make money i totally get that we all want to be successful and have those big ticket items you know but you know what family and life is really the main thing and that's the most important thing for me and being able to do that with my father and and um and look after my mother and do that was just priceless mm. and now having a,
0: you know a lot more time on your hands as well I know that you've you know joined, enjoyed a lot of personal things as well you know golf going out on the boat and the holidays and all of those things and time with the family but you're an entrepreneur at heart so what have you done to kind of since then in relation to to business and what's your sort of current focus
1: Well, the current focus these days, you know, I've had a lot of great mentors in the time um, and I just realised that what I have done in my business, I hear it constantly from other tradesmen, you can't have a business that runs by itself. I mean, I hear it constantly from business owners, you can't have a business that runs by itself. I can't do that. I can't give that power to the staff. Well, just imagine the world if everyone said that and there was just one-man shows around the world in every business. I mean, come on, crazy. Everyone can have a business that runs by itself. You've got to get that in your head and you've got to make that happen. We've been lucky enough now to start a new business called Lifestyle Tradie. And the advantage of Lifestyle Tradie is we help tradesmen throughout Australia and looking at branching out over the world to um, make them have a better lifestyle in their life, to critique their business, to put better systems in place and ultimately have a better lifestyle. Andrew, it's been great chatting. Thanks very much for your time. No worries, mate. It's been great and a pleasure to be here.
0: For more information about Andrew Smith, please visit lifestyletrady.com.au Thanks for listening to another Business Masters podcast. To access more great content or to download your free business plan template, visit businessblueprint.com.